Sometimes studying the Bible can feel overwhelming and confusing. Grounded in Truth with Janet Dennison will help you learn to study, understand, and apply God's Word to your daily life. His Word is true. And guess what? It's for everyone. So thanks for joining us today as we dive into Scripture together. To the Grounded in Truth Summer Series with me, Janet Dennison. We spent the past six weeks learning about Psalm 119 and the importance of God's Word for our lives. Today we begin our next study in the Summer Series, Ephesians, Equipping the Saints to Stand Firm. In this study, we will uncover what it looks like to be a Christian and how God equips His people to stand firm in their faith. Paul's message in Ephesians is clear. As believers, we should live our faith by emulating the character of Christ in our personal lives. It's tempting to get complacent over time, but Paul reminds us of the amazing gift of God in Christ and the blessings received as a result of standing firm in our faith. Let's look at this week's lesson. Paul has been encouraging the church in Ephesus to continue to grow and mature. He cautioned them that all through this life, they're going to be living with influences from outside to remember to stay true to the word of God. My particular soapbox, don't spend so much time in books about God that you don't spend time in the book that is God's. And that's just an important part of the Christian life. I think for myself, especially, it's been the most important. And so I love to encourage people I teach to learn what God's Word says. I'm glad you're here studying this passage today because he's going to talk about what it means to be a mature Christian, what that looks like. He finishes at the end of chapter four saying, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. This is a huge message and it's why we kind of began this lesson with verse 25. Paul has said to put off your old self, take those ways, those ways of thinking, take them and throw them off like a dirty garment and put on the new self, the saved self, and let that be your message to the world. He said, because we are called to do that, we have to also put off falsehood and speak truthfully. Uh, If you look at scripture from really the Garden of Eden to Revelation, the one, I would say the sharpest tool in Satan's toolbox is that of partial truth. Usually if you look at a temptation, including the temptations of Christ, you will see just enough truth in the suggestion to make it somehow worth listening to. Most of the wrong beliefs in our lives start with just enough truth to make them, uh, you know, possible or we consider them to be possible. It's an old trick 
it goes back to original sin. And Satan will never stop doing that because it works so well. So beware of partial truth. Things that sound true, but when you hold them up to the light of scripture, they just aren't. He says to be careful to put off falsehood. Don't let things that are not true creep into your words. And he said, speak truthfully to your neighbor. Sometimes we want to be kind to them and we don't give full truth because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Our world today needs the full truth of God's word. They need it taught to them with love. We need to speak that truth with love, according to Paul. But we do need to speak that truth because we're all members of one body. And if they don't believe the truth, it will be difficult for them to become a member of the body of Christ. So what choices or standards should all Christians have? Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on you while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Um, there's probably all of us that have tripped over this one. We're most likely to sin when we get mad. And if we're really mad, we're probably really going to sin. And so Paul gives a great caution. What should we do when we get mad? It's impossible to go through this life and not get angry along the way. So what would Paul suggest? He said, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't open the door and invite him in. He says, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. Don't get angry. Don't steal. He said they need to work with their own hands so they have something to share with those in need. He said, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This gets tricky when you're trying to share truth. How do you share truth with wholesome talk? How do you make sure that people aren't giving the devil a foothold in their life? How do you keep from being angry at people who insist something is okay when you know from the truth of God's word it is not? He, it's all about the presentation of truth. It's all about this life that we live that gives us permission to share what we believe. Paul says in verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't trouble the Holy Spirit within you. Honestly, I would like to put it this way. You will know when you've grieved the Holy Spirit because you will feel that pull of God back. When the Holy Spirit is in control of your mouth and your attitudes and your thoughts, it is much easier to live according to this, this word, much easier to not grieve the Holy Spirit and have him give you a catch in your spirit. He's good. Okay, truthfully, I'll teach you a lesson I teach. 
I call it God's choke chain. I see all the time people walking dogs on that leash and the dog will run off and get just as far as the master wants to let him go. And then he'll tap the button and that collar is pulled up tight. That's what the Holy Spirit of God can do when you grieve him. When you grieve the Holy Spirit in your life, you're going to feel pulled back because that's for your good and the good of the others around you. Because we don't want to sin in our anger or in our words. Paul says in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Just get rid of it. Brawling and slander, every form of malice, get rid of that. How? He says it in the next verse. Make this choice instead. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. How? Just as in Christ, you were forgiven. God forgave you through Jesus. Why are we able to be kind and compassionate? Why are we able to put off those things which make us less than who God wants us to be? Because all we really have to do is remember what Christ has forgiven us, what Christ has done for us so that God won't hold our sins against us. That's the love by which we can witness to others. Why did God send us Jesus to live an earthly life? I love this. Chapter 5 begins, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. We don't have to wonder how we're supposed to act. We have an example in scripture. His name is Jesus, the one we are supposed to imitate, Paul says. What is beneath our calling as a Christian? What are we never to lower ourselves to? In verse 3, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. We've kind of reduced our standards. We've adjusted our Christian standards to include some of what the world accepts. Again, I would use the illustration that God's holy standards are high and we'll never fully achieve them this side of heaven. But if all we do is compare ourselves to the world and maybe feel better about our own lives because it's not as bad as some of the non-Christian living we see out there, the lower the culture goes, the lower our own standards will go as a result. We're not called to be better than them. We're called to be what Paul has said. We're called to live with biblical standards for our life. No hint of sexual immorality. No kind of impurity 
and no greed. Those are God's standards for a holy life. Why? Because they're improper for someone who is a child of God. that are his holy people. Holy means set apart, different. If you're not willing to be different than the culture, it will be impossible to be holy. Paul also says, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. I know I've sinned in this area. Most of us have. This gives me pause personally. I find some things really funny that Paul would probably say were coarse or even obscene, maybe. God wants better for us. It's not holy. So he says, for of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. This is a tricky verse. But I will tell you what I believe he's, Paul is trying to say. All of those moments we spend in unholy behaviors are moments that earned us nothing eternal. None of those works. None of those moments will be rewarded eternally. If we understand that this earthly life we lead impacts our eternal life forever, that thought will often shut our mouths, change our attitudes, and cause us to turn to God and say, help me. I want to be more holy. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. We can expect God's discipline, even God's wrath, when we make choices that are unholy. And those who will not learn this lesson are disobedient to his word, to the leadership of his Holy Spirit. And Paul says, don't be partners with those people. Don't join your life with people who make you less holy. Don't join your thoughts or be entertained by people who make you less than who God wants you to be as his child. So then how do Christians live? As Jesus said, as the light of the world. I love this passage. Paul said, for you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. I have to say that again. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord, Paul says. 
have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So how and why then do we want to live as carefully as we can when we're Christians? Paul says, be very careful. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. How do you get wise? You learn God's word. Now here's some really bad news. The fact that you've listened to these videos and learned what Paul taught in the book of Ephesians now means God wants to hold you accountable for what you've learned. This is the truth of God's word. Be careful to live what you've learned from God's word. Make the most of every opportunity to live as holy because the days are evil enough. He says, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what God's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. This passage has been used to um, encourage people not to have wine. I would be not teaching the truth of scripture if I said that's really what it says. He's talking about being filled with one or the other. He's talking about what you fill your life with. You fill your life with wine, you're not going to be able to think straight. You fill your life with the Holy Spirit, you will have wisdom. That's what Paul is saying in this verse. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another, he says, with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying rather than fill your life with wine, Fill your life with the Spirit. How do you know if your life is full of the Spirit? You see the sunrise and praise God for it. You see a field of flowers and you just are amazed at the beauty of the Lord and what he can do. You hold a newborn baby and you're amazed at the fact that God is the creator of all of life. You hear a storm rumble through and it reminds you of the power of God. The Holy Spirit is constantly reminding us of who God is, what he's capable of, what we are to know, how we are to love, how we are to speak, teach, live. That's why God gave him to us. He gave you the power to know him and to live for him. And we should share that great power with the words that come out of our mouth. Our lives should be 
a hymn of praise to God the Father. So Paul is about to discuss what it is to be part of the family of God. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And he talks about wives submitting to their husbands and husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church. We have high standards for our marriages. We have high standards for the way we raise our children. He goes on to say that the church, that Jesus loved the church. He gave himself for the church. In verse 26, Jesus wants to make the church holy, cleansing her by washing with water. How? Through the word. You can circle that in your Bibles. How are you washed clean and purified? Through God's word. And we can present the church as the radiant church, the body of Christ as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one's ever hated their own body but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ cares for the church. This is a picture of our relationship to God. So often in scripture, our love for God is described as a marriage or relates to marriage. The marriage relationship is the closest earthly relationship we have to the relationship God wants for and with us. Think about the one that hopefully you love more than anyone that you've lined your life up with, the one who knows you the most and you know them the most. That's the picture of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, creating in us that relationship with God the Father. Paul goes on to say, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So often this passage is used to teach about marriage. But notice Paul says, I'm using this as an example of Christ's relationship to the church. We are called the bride of Christ. In verse 33, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Paul says, even though I'm talking about Christ's relationship to the church, remember, it's a great illustration and example also for the way marriages, people in a marriage are supposed to love one another too. We're called to imitate Christ. He was our example. We are to be imitators of Christ, to love like he loves, to care like he cares, to live a holy life like he lived a holy life. It's easy to live as the world allows us to live. It's so important, Paul says, 
to remember the standards Jesus gave us, the standards he lived here on earth as an example so that we could imitate his life. I pray that'll be a thought in all of our heads. Does your life imitate that of Christ? Does it reflect his light to the world around you? It's a great lesson from Paul in the book of Ephesians. See you next time. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening today. With all the distractions of summer, we know how hard it can be to stay plugged into God's Word. That's why we're here. We want to help you stay firmly grounded in the truth of Scripture. Wherever you're listening right now, make sure you hit that follow button so you'll never miss an episode.